Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pulp Science. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Super Pulp Science podcast, which has now hit the road. We are currently driving west on the number 16 Yellowhead Highway from Saskatoon to Edmonton. Uh, in the car with me is long suffering driver Justin Curry, distracted driver. And uh, in the back seat is Gregory Chomachuk. I've heard it all on the road, all of it, Sam. Why don't you tell us about our amazing series of coincidences that involve foxes? So we've just spent the last, I'd say, six days or so in Saskatoon. We were there for the expo, and it was an incredible experience. It was my first time there, um, not only at the expo, but in the city. We drove up here from Winnipeg, and it was a very lovely time. We each took turns. We listened to a great Steve Martin audiobook. Everyone... Yes. Born Standing Up. Born Standing Up. That's what it was called. And um, it just seemed like one event after another just kept cascading in this epic confluence. So we stared at, stayed in this incredible Airbnb, and I, I cannot overstate how awesome it was. Um, and we were not, we're not going to give you the address no. or anything creepy like that because people do live there. But it was this intense three-story manor and it had just had this incredible sound system. Everything in it was modern and automated, but it was just, we were just so fascinated by trying to discover like just things about the people that live there. And, but their surname was Fox, which I would have to say is the best because Gregory and Justin have a book. It's read and see through uh, as well as Snow Troll's Daughter. Features a fox in it. Um, Claire Marshall was there with us for a brief period. Uh, her book, The Violet Fox, and of course my book, Scion of the Fox. So that just kept happening, things like that. Um, Gregory, why don't you tell us about how the expo went? Well, Sam, Saskatoon Expo is fast becoming one of my favorite smaller shows. It has an attendance that usually ranges between, uh, from what I understand, between 10 and 12,000, but the last posted numbers for this show were 15,000 people came through and we definitely felt that uh, uh, felt that busyness but Saskatoon also is a big reading area that's what I felt very much in the crowd they were really interested as interested in the books as the art often I do like you know I've said before like sort of 70 30 from books to art in a typical convention sale uh, but in this case, I would say it was close to 50-50, and I definitely don't have enough books yep. for Edmonton. Very little left. Uh, and I just had books. It actually just kind of worked out, again, like a nice little moment of kismet, where um, I was originally sharing with Prairie Comics Festival's table, and I just kind of uh, went up to Chris, who is the organizer, and asked if they had any other like spaces where people had canceled, if they wanted to fill, because it turned out I had a lot of stock shipped to me. Um, and I had it shipped for both events, but I figured I could probably spread out more. And they were just like, yep, here you go. And I was right across from Gregory. So we threw things at each other all weekend. And he was right beside Justin and they built this really great print curtain. It was just a really nice, we were just situated in a nice place, but it was also just nice to be selling alongside each other. So, um, Familiar listeners to the podcast will remember our episode that we titled Giant Ziggurat. This is where that first happened, where we, because we do the Edmonton show after, we bring way more than is required to sell at the Saskatoon show, but we build a very huge display as a result. But we didn't have to have a huge trailer with us this time because Justin arranged something special for us that he can tell us all about. It's called pallet shipping. I'm going to hold this. And drives. Yeah, so I think just point I wanted to make before, if you're doing a show and you have the opportunity or you're, you can overdo it, you can bring way more stuff than you ever think you'll need, and you're driving to it, like just bring everything. Bring way more than you think you could possibly move. And there's some kind of science to it. Like if you have tons of stuff at your table, people think there must be a reason for that and they tend to get more stuff. So always overdo it if you get the opportunity. Um, we've also, because we do so many shows, we've been uh, meeting a lot of the same people over and over again who 
have learned some tricks that uh, they are currently teaching us. And one of those is um, because so many bigger vendors go from show to show to show and uh, they have large trucks or semis in some instances that are traveling across the country with all their inventory, um, sometimes they have the opportunity to take on another pallet or two uh, for for people like us. So we've, uh, we've recently teamed up with a vendor um, and at the end of the show we get a pallet and we put everything we possibly can on this pallet and then we wrap it in plastic and they come and pick it up and put it on a truck somewhere and when we get to the next show it's there waiting for us. And it can be a little expensive so it's not something that you want to be doing right off the bat but eventually when you get to uh, the size and the amount of shows that we're doing it makes a lot of sense and oh my god is it convenient so we've been loving it we first got the idea or heard about it i think from fable creative right they yeah. were doing a pallet stuff first and they have really wonderful display materials and they have um, a really well curated set of art prints that they pack uh, bagged and boarded and so that's a lot heavier so i think that was the impetus for them to do pallet shipping so that they would have a really standout display waiting when uh, they arrived and it definitely showed um so that's sort of how that started but as far as the show itself goes um the scuttlebutt that you may or may not know is that their um fan expo canada was buying up a bunch of different smaller shows they bought calgary expo calgary expo also ran saskatoon expo um and then fan expo dropped the Saskatoon show but the original organizers of the Saskatoon show who had been the managers of it during the transition just carried on and I felt a big difference between the biggest difference I saw was what happened I'd say to Sam is a good indicator of that they just were really able to roll with the punches when without having to ask a bunch of people up the chain of command when there was a command decision to be made you know so there is definitely some benefit to all the boots on the ground at a show, you know, owning it. And um, I don't know, what do you think about that? Did you notice a difference between the two shows? Oh, for sure. Um, especially since we just did Fan Expo Canada, like you said. And um, it's so, like in terms of numbers, it's really hard to compare, but you do feel kind of like a tiny cog in a very big machine. And if something does go wrong, they just completely forget about you, ignore you, or shrug at you because there's so many moving parts to a show where like over 100,000 people are attending. Um, so, but I mean, I have also seen big shows that actually care about you uh, and care about the artists. And this was, this was though just one of those shows where it felt like a home show. It, it was it was also helped that around every corner you turned, there was someone we knew. Uh, <laughs> It was just so great to be visited also by a ton of people who are out um, out west here that we don't get to see that often except at shows. And it was just such a lovely time. And so I felt really at home. And I've and again, I've never I've never done this show and I've never been to this city, but it felt like home. And also, like Gregory said, like not only the organizers, but volunteers and everything was so easy to find. And it just felt it felt like artists were important in this show and that's you know it's always very special we have come here to this planet for one purpose only to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet this city just has it all everyone i cannot stress go to saskatoon the prairie no the, the paris, paris of, of the, the prairies, prairies. <laughs> and i and i think someone said this to us unironically but i was like yeah you're right it is the paris of the prairies um after the show which was incredible um i was just blown away by it we had set up another event uh, it was for gregory and justin to go to amazing stories which is on 8th street schuster award-winning yes and so they set up a nice little table for us and uh, we met jody um jody's also has a public is a shaw tv she helps produce yeah executive produce i guess a show called punch that's on shaw tv which is all about um sort of genre stuff it's like right in our wheelhouse everything about comics and movies and video games and then they interview people at the shows as sort of part of a b-roll they do interviews they really i just it unifies the community in saskatoon it's amazing so good. yeah so we met jody on the saturday and she actually she was like oh yeah and you bring some books too sam and i was like Duh. 
I mean, yeah, I don't have to. Um, it was one of those situations where I need to stop trying to talk people out of trying to involve me. Yes, <laughs> you definitely um, So they set up a great table for us at the front of the store, and Gregory and Justin did free art sketches for anyone, even if they didn't buy uh, books, and they had books for sale, and they had art prints that were free that came with the books. And we met, actually, a lot of people. It was funny. It was right after the expo. People, that shop was busy on a, was Monday. it Monday? Yeah. It was a Monday. And we were there from 2 till 6, and it was just hopping. People, and Jody knew everyone's first name. Jody knew everybody's name as they came in. And it just, it's also a store, a comic store, like, unlike that I've seen. Um, I mean, I haven't been a giant connoisseur of them. Gregory used to own one and, you know, has probably been in every single comic shop in any city he's been in. But I just felt like this store was, it was big, but it was well curated. It had new, like new comics out that you wouldn't really catch at kind of like some shops where they don't really do heavy curation rotation of stuff. They were really, they, you could ask them any questions back there and they would have so many recommendations. They knew their stock um, and it was just so tidy. And you walked in there and you're just hit with this smell, this new comic smell. And it was just intoxicating. And then Jody did this wonderful thing where I said, you know, I'm looking for some new books. And she said, well, based on your books that I've read, I feel like you may enjoy the influences of the following. It was just so obvious that she cared about her clients. She cared about, you know, who was coming to do the signing, but also knew the breadth and width of the new comics that were coming out from a personal, like as a fan. It was just... It was wonderful. So we're gushing. This is now a commercial for Amazing Stories in Saskatoon. Um, maybe Justin could tell us instead a dark Justin story to bring us back down to reality. I'll, I'll contextualize it a little bit. Justin was just, he was just in good spirits. And when he gets in good spirits, I'm finding, because I've never traveled with him too extensively, but we'll have been together for like 11 days straight. He gets, he gets full of mischief. And <laughs> he just... He starts just pulling little pranks or just, just, you know, just being a rap scallion, just the name of their new band. Um, you don't have to tell a dark Justin story. I don't want to put you on the spot. He doesn't have anything ready because there's too many. There are so many. But are you having fun, Justin? It's okay. It's all right. Wow. <laughs> We're passing some cows right now, dear listeners. They look like they're having fun as we pass through the land of living skies. I think it would be remiss not for us for us not to talk about road trip must-dos. Oh, yeah. How did okay. you get ready for your road trip? Well, why don't we let Justin field this one? Usually when I'm about to go on a road trip, I didn't do it this time, I'm not sure why, but I always make bunwiches, which is a sandwich in a like a hamburger bun kind of thing or like a, a, like a bakery bun. And this stems from like just growing up that's always what we did on road trips mom would make bunwiches and we'd put them in ziploc bags and you would just have a bunch of individually wrapped bunwiches for your trip so i have a sandwich i have a sandwich science uh, aside here or maybe no this is actually right on topic the bunwich is the perfect driving sandwich because when you're holding a square sandwich right the perfect bite is always so elusive and stuff drops out and you can't quite do it because you're trying to pay attention to the road but the Bunwich has no corners. It's just always ready to be consumed, right? It's perfect. It's like a great, yeah, from all angles. So that's what I say. Okay, so Bunwiches. So Bunwiches for sure. Um, lots of water. Uh, if you're driving for a long time and sleep might be an issue, I find um, sunflower seeds are really, really great for keeping you awake. And there's a little bit of science to that. Orexin. Orexin? Orexin. Um, so if you're snacking on like, you know, dried fruits or berries or nuts, um, and I like sunflower seeds because it's a little bit of work as well, it keeps your brain a little more alert because it's like you're getting little bits of food at a time, so it wants to keep keep at that. Um, and then uh, audiobooks. Greg and I have been on quite a few uh, road trips in the last number of years, and Stephen King's audiobooks have been a constant companion trip um so we have some of those lined up yeah um this is my first time road tripping for work really yes so i've only ever done road tripping for trips um where i just didn't care enough about the whole sandwich thing or 
Well, actually, that's not true. Um, we you did it. I did it. In the no, <laughs> I did. I actually did do a road trip with Chadwick from Winnipeg to uh, Calgary for Calgary Expo. Was it Calgary Expo? Might have been when words collide many years ago, but there were, it was fraught with um, with just things that happened. There were like five hour delay on top of the, the 15 hour. So it, we just listened to a lot of music. So, but on this road trip, I was way more prepared. Um, what are some road trip mishaps, Gregory? Road trip mishaps. Well, we've had, Justin and I have had many quasi-romantic moments on account of road trip mishaps. Like one time we ran out of gas, but we turned it into a wonderful uh, stroll through a grassy field as the sun set on the prairies. Um, another time a road trip mishap is uh, just happened. Justin thought that he would drive as fast as he could backwards into a flagpole. <laughs> Oh, no. It did happen, yeah. That it did was happen. A dark that was a dark Justin moment. Um, but everything was fine. Everything is just fine. Um, you know what? I don't even like try to categorize. Like I don't collect in my mind all the things that have gone wrong. Um, mishaps. We sometimes. Oh, okay. So here's a practical. This is a practical warning for you guys. If you're driving through the night. Your phone will tell you for sure all the different gas stations that are available, but it will not necessarily tell you which ones are open at that time of night. And so if you're planning and you're looking ahead and you're saying, oh, I have another 100 kilometers, no problem, and there's at least three gas stations, make sure that you check the times that they are open if you're traveling straight through the night. If you're driving um, on shifts like we do, if we have more than more than two or three people in the car, everyone will take a shift and we'll just power through right through the night because driving three hours at night is not a big deal while everyone sleeps and then you wake up and take your shift it's not too onerous um, being fairly limber helps on long car rides or so, having short legs or having short legs <laughs> yes uh, so stopping every time you stop for gas or stop for whatever you have to stop for doing active proper stretching is really important um, I also am a avid sitting on the tennis ball in the glutes oh, trick yeah. when I'm driving. I get uh, fatigue in my lower back if I drive for too long. So I just put a tennis back right in the tennis ball, right in that spot. And then I can drive for another three hours. No problem. What other practical things do we need to know? Another practical thing is to plug your phone in before you start recording for a podcast because the battery is now low. So can we do that? I think we can okay. yeah, still talk. And still talk. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Okay. okay. These things take over a man's mind? He becomes a, a robot? A machine taking orders? What are the virtues of driving to a convention rather than flying? And why do you guys do it so much? Justin, do you want to take this one? Sure. Uh, driving is, is really, really nice because you can bring quite a bit more uh, product than if you fly. If you fly, you're limited to two or three suitcases, only 50 pounds a suitcase, and then your carry-on. And when you're dealing with books, prints, and paper, um, that 50 pounds gets filled up real, real quick. Um, so when you can drive, you can bring so much more. And even when you fly, when you really like look at it, the amount of time you're spending at the airport, in the air, at the next airport, getting to the event, if that's going to be eight, nine hours and you can just drive there in five or six, how would you like to spend your time, I guess? Um, yeah. Um, and also, like, we didn't, uh, on the way to Saskatoon from Winnipeg, it's about an eight-hour drive. We stopped once. We stopped twice. Twice for gas. But they were very short stops and we were very efficient and it didn't feel, didn't feel that long at all. Like, I... Because I hadn't done this in such a long time, I was like, oh no, it's going to be really long, oh, what are we going to do? We napped, we chatted, and we also knew when to be quiet, and when it was quiet, like, just sit back and listen time, and I think that's also very important um, when you're road tripping, is to find people that you don't want to murder actively for several straight hours, and now that's very, <laughs> that's a very glib thing to say, but... Dark Sam. Dark Sam rises. Um, it's also a very good indicator of people, like, when you're wanting to enter into a working relationship even, can I serve, can I go on a road trip with this person? Yeah. Um, 
because yeah and like even just staying with, with each other for 11 straight days like well and if you're road tripping a uh -oh. good thing i would have to say about road tripping is that you can go to other things. So we already mentioned we went to Amazing Stories, but Sam, you and Claire Marshall also set up an event at McNally Robertson in Saskatoon, yeah. um, where you did all kinds of things. You wanna tell our dear listeners about that? Sure, so as you guys have heard maybe on previous episodes of these podcasts, Claire and I uh, also have our own podcast. It's just been in a bit of a break because we've both been so insanely busy lately, but um, the two of us set up this event at McNally and what's great is that there's also a McNally in Winnipeg. So it was like we got to see the sister store. So that was really cool for us. Um, in the event, it was a launch for um, both of our books. Uh, mine is Children of the Bloodlands, which uh, just came out. It's the sequel to Scion of the Fox. And Claire's um, was the Emerald Cloth, which is the third book in her Violet Fox series. So you can see Claire and I get along well because we like the exact same things. Um, but we actually just, we did this event kind of as a Q&A thing. We didn't do a reading. We just um, talked about our publishing journeys because Clara, oh, I'm getting a signal. But how did you set it up? You said so casually, oh, we set up this event, maybe for the dear listeners. Right. Yeah. yeah so uh, I'm sorry for not being more, giving more juicy deets because it's just, it's just become so rote now to be doing these things. But for those of you out there kind of wondering, how do I set up those events? It was literally just a matter of an email, although I did a lot of lead time on it. It was about three months ahead of time uh, where I emailed Saskatoon uh, McNally and I also indicated to them that I had a lot of years of experience doing events at McNally Winnipeg and they were more than excited to have us um, and they took care of ordering my books for people to buy and uh, they did a consignment order with Claire on the day of and we just emailed back and forth and what's really great about McNally they're a very large independent bookstore but they have their own newsletter and event system where they send out event reminders to their subscribers and they have quite a few of them. Uh, so we did it ahead enough that it was in their printed one and there was also lots of lead on their E1. Um, so that was just very nice. So what it really all comes down to is just kind of looking at the places you're gonna go, seeing when you're going to have free time and just you know doing that research ahead of time at com for comic book shops in our case or bookstores and sometimes it can work out um, kind of at the last minute so Alexander Finbo came and uh, visited us at our booths he's uh, the publisher of Renegade Arts Entertainment Arts pardon me um, he's based out of Canmore and we spend a lot of time with him we see him at a lot of shows he's really salt of the earth awesome guy and just in conversation he mentioned oh um, are you gonna do an event at Audrey's and completely slipped my mind to contact them and he said oh you know you should just send them an email on Monday and I said well you know I'm not really going to hold out much hope that uh, we didn't screw the pooch on this one but I sent them an email they promptly responded and they were like yep we can get you in on Thursday they suggested their busiest time to us and they've just locked us all three of us in for a visit um, and all we have to do in that case now is we have we packed up a special box for auxiliary book events that will sell these books on consignments to the shops um, because it's much too late for them to order stock. That's kind of another reason why it's important to book these early um, if you're doing books or you want to arrange sales, that kind of thing. Yeah, so if you have your books through traditional publishers, the bookstore wants to order through those publishers. They don't want your copies. They want trackable copies for all of their it's book scan and other things that they use to keep track of that stuff uh, and for proper invoicing. Bookstores will not pay you uh, for the uh, event that you're setting up. So you're, what you're trying to do is build up um, something around an event where people can find you to buy other things from you directly. Um, and bookstores also, a word to the wise, won't settle up the invoices for your sold books there at the show usually. They like to invoice you with everybody else, um, usually quarterly is what happened with us. Um, and has happened many times. So we'll get in a few months from now, we'll get checks from McNally and the places we've gone uh, in the mail. And it's part of building that relationship. There's another side of it though is, and we saw this happen when we were at Amazing Stories, we're in for the expo. People see us there. Then somebody who was at the expo also had gone to the McNally. They had seen Sam's books in the display at the McNally. Then they saw us at Amazing Stories and we're like, oh, well, I should get this book, right? If you set up enough, that sort of three times. 
yeah, it took three times for them to finally decide, and those three times all happened within a few days of each other in a same in the same city. Um, I don't know if there's any, you know, it's difficult to say, you know, here's a recipe that you should follow for the number of events you should do. We just know what we can manage now because we've done it enough and it not feel too stressful. If it's too much for you to drive to a city, set up for a show, and then also try to plan other events around it, don't worry. It's not a requirement or an expectation. We've just... Um, we're supportive of each other and we have enough supports in the cities now that it makes it possible. Um, if you're do, going it alone, don't try to do too much or you will run yourself into the ground. Um, and that, you know, as soon as you said, you know, oh, we're supporting each other, that's been a major factor in all of the kind of success of all of the little adventures that we've been having is that I know that I can rely on Justin and Gregory and anyone else who's kind of in our convoy um, to turn to if I'm like, oh, you know, I'm feeling tired and uncertain, but we pump each other up and we get excited again. And like that amazing stories event, I just, I didn't have any expectations and it just, it was just so wonderful. And you had gone for a 20 kilometer run. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, Side story. I, I did, I packed a lot of exercise clothes with the intentions of working out. And I was like, I'm finally, I'm going to do it. But I wanted to go for a little longer of a run. I have no idea anything about Saskatoon. Again, never been here. So I just went out into the world and I got lost at the University of Saskatchewan. And I accidentally ran 20 kilometers, um, which is fine. It's not a bad accident. Um, Don't do that if you're not a runner. (laughs) Just like plan your route. Don't be me. Um, But... It was such a it was such a great time and um, like just because I'm with you guys that makes it way more of a more of a fun experience. The future come to life today. Now, what if you're with somebody that you're not getting along with? Have you been, ever had that experience, either of you, traveling with? We'll leave names out of it, right? We'll just talk about our way of handling the experience of traveling with someone who maybe is a little bit more of an energy draw or maybe they don't get along with the other people that you want to see or, you know, do you have any advice? Justin, have you ever traveled with someone that ended up being a bit of a challenge? I am sitting in the car, though, so just (laughs) be aware that my feelings are here. I don't... I haven't had any terrible experiences like that, no, but, like, general advice would be... Um, try to plan ahead to kind of get some me time in there like maybe establish early on in the day that you have plan like you're doing something in the evening that is maybe just for you I I don't know yeah I, I've, I've been lucky enough in my experiences that I I haven't had to formulate plans escape routes for that what about you guys um I kind of have uh, like people who are, um, like Gregory said, like an energy suck where they just are taking a lot out of you and sh- the show is already taking a ton out of you. Um, I just close a door. I just go and escape or I exercise. Like exercising is my me time. Uh, it's good to just kind of recharge and get your own, get back into your own headspace and have something that doesn't involve that person. Um, and just establishing clear boundaries. Like Justin said, just you have something that's for you. And that takes time. Uh, initially, you might think when you're being assertive like that, that you're being an asshole or you're being overtly mean to someone. But it's so that you can prevent yourself from being mean to that person um, or snapping at them so you can get back into your zen. And it is very important because, like we said, these events are a ton of energy, especially when you're driving. Um, and it, it, there's a bit more labor. Oh, my God, just found just fell asleep. This is the last episode of Super Pump Science. Uh, oh my god. Don't joke. Don't joke. Don't joke, I have a family. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of family, my wife, uh, Tara, often, uh, lately has been reminding me anytime that I'm having like interpersonal issues with anybody on the road or in publishing or uh, in the art world or whatever, she will say very level-headedly that everybody is, everyone learns the same things in life but they learn them in a different order. And thinking about that has really helped me 
and maybe can help you if you seem stuck in a situation with somebody and you're just like, oh, why won't they learn? Why won't they listen? Maybe they just, they, they, they have that lesson to learn later on. And there's things that they are already good at that you have yet to learn. And just reminding yourself of those things. The other thing you should do is look at beautiful things. Look at how, look at out the window. What I'm looking at like right now, ladies and gentlemen, are five different shades of green, yellow, and red. Forest belt. In, yeah, no, on the forest belt between uh, these two fields. They look like wheat fields, but there was just this incredible, they're like windbreaks that farmers put up. Uh, Claire Marshall um, has a complicated relationship with farmers. You can <laughs> listen to that on her own podcast. So I'm not sure if she's listening to this, whether she's happy that I described that or not. Uh, but uh, good road trip rules are take some time to appreciate the things that you suddenly can see and do that you wouldn't otherwise. Um, we went and found a spot that had some great street art last year in Saskatoon. Justin found the photo on his phone from the from last year. Found out that it had geographic information stored. Thank you, Apple. So we were able to find the same spot it had been painted over, but we recreated a photo that we did the previous year. Why? I have no idea. Just because it was funny and silly and it was just made for a good time. You just have to kind of roll with the experiences that will happen. We managed to set up a schedule uh, ahead of time this time. Usually Justin and I kind of wing it. We arrive, we get on the road, then we start phoning stores, then we start arranging events. We just use the car time for that. But this time, this year, we have uh, Samantha Vico as our operations manager. So she set up all that stuff months ago, like I said, and that took a lot of our driving stress away made it much more pleasant um less frenetic maybe a touch less exciting so we just put that energy into other things um sorry i robbed you of your excitement (laughs) no you gave us other things um the other thing i've been doing on this trip is i have a uh, illustration job for canada's history magazine that i'm working on a very scary witch illustration that I was able to work on uh, while we were staying at the Airbnb. Sent off my roughs to the art director. Um, I'm also, maybe, or I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I am producing a play called Red Earth uh, in association with One Truck Theater and Prairie Theater Exchange and Andrea Sardison. So I was sending production illustration to one of the production designers to work on set stuff. So I sent all that stuff off. Somehow, for some reason, I find it way easier to do that kind of stuff in an Airbnb environment than I do in a hotel environment. Especially this Airbnb. Yeah, this, this Airbnb in particular just seemed like the place you wanted to hang out and do creative things. Um, we also found out it had a secret door we found out after we left the owner texted us and said hey did you find the secret room which sounds ominous but instead was wonderful see what was funny about this airbnb about the airbnb experience in general is it's always done with kind of it's different from a hotel it's all private and you always it starts (laughs) you start to develop a mythology about it like i'm pretty sure they're listening in on us i'm pretty sure they have cameras everywhere um and then we started trying to sleuth out, you know, the, the things about the hosts because it was just such a vastly interesting, quirky, well put together, like interior design, architecturally beautiful house. Like it just had so many fine details and it was so thrilling. But what was the best is that this morning, uh, you know, we were all kind of leisurely getting up. We all exercised. Uh, this morning was very nice and we were all doing our own thing and I get a text from one of the Airbnb owners and she says I just realized you're the author of Scion of the Fox so after having this moment of oh yes (laughs) a fame a fame author was in your Airbnb um she uh she asked if I could sign a book for them or if I had a book that I could sign and leave, but I, I'd shipped all of my stuff ahead. So I, you know, offered them some prints and I left some prints behind and Justin and Gregory drew in their red and see through snow trolls daughter book for them. Um, but then, you know, after I thought, Oh, okay, well that, that should be enough. 
they texted me again and they were like, we're going to go to chapters and buy your books so that you can sign it. And we're going to come to the house. And we got so excited. We were like, we're, we get to meet them. This is the best. And then when we did, it was everything and more. We just gushed at each other. I, I absolutely told them that we, the house was like an escape room that we were trying to figure out clues in, but that we never wanted to leave. Um, they asked us how they could improve it. And we were like, being in this house has improved us. So it was just one of those experiences that you couldn't have at a hotel. And like Gregory said, it was a very inspiring environment. It felt like you could get some work done. And I worked on my book. My book three in my trilogy is due mid-October. So um, I'm, I'm under the, t- the gun, quote unquote, but I'm, I'm more than half done. So I'm very, I'm very excited. Um, what did you work on uh, in the house, like a creative project, Justin? I paper told a couple pictures, which is the the process of I take two or three of uh, the same prints that I've I've done one of my paintings, and I cut it out in uh, layers from big elements to smaller and smaller elements, and then I use um, I actually use it's uh, like bathroom caulking glue that you use on taps and faucets and stuff like that um, because it's it's a glue and it's kind of a gel so it has a little bit of lift. So you cut up an image a couple of times and then you paste it back together with a bit of a lift between the layers and it gives this awesome 3D look. And it's a very, um, it's time consuming and a little tedious, but I find it a little therapeutic just to turn my brain off and and cut out shapes for a couple hours. So I got two of those done and then I read a couple graphic novels and chillaxed. It was nice. Yeah, there was uh, this moment last night um, after Jody at Amazing Stories sent us to this really incredible restaurant. Also, mm. side note, there's so much good food in Saskatoon. My God. And I'm vegan, so I'm usually, you know, it's, I'm just kind of hard-pressed, and I'll just order sides usually when I'm in a, a strange place. There were so many great vegan places, and we went to a place called Good Eats that um, even Gregory and Justin had this fake chicken that just kind of blew their minds a little bit. It um, tastes like a lie. It tasted real. No. Um, what are you pointing at right there's now? Right here. Oh, there's oh, there's a little bit of chicken in this pile in the car. It won't go bad, right? It won't. <laughs> it won't. It won't for many months. Um, but what was great about last night is after Amazing Stories, the boys had picked up some comics and they just they went downstairs and Gregory watched some TV and read some comics. And Justin sat there with his headphones in, vegging out, and I was upstairs working on my book. And it was just so right, just was so good. Um, And I think another big key thing to like doing when you're doing these longer trips is you kind of, um, you actually schedule in time for nothing so that you can rest and recharge and have those moments so that you're not one thing after another after another. Our week is actually gonna be a little bit busy. Tomorrow, the uh, guys are doing a little appearance at Happy Harbor Comics. They're doing selling books and prints and signing stuff um, in Edmonton. And then the day after, we're doing the Audrey's event. And then right after the Audrey's event is done, we're going to go do setup for Edmonton Expo, which starts on the Friday. And we'll be working straight through. So when you can grasp those kind of moments of zen, like absolutely do it. I'm looking forward to whatever stories are going to come out of the after party at Happy Harbor. Happy Harbor often um, uh, hosts a after party for the show for uh, comic book professionals and comic book aficionados and um, the shop itself works really hard to program and and host events in Edmonton Um, we met Jay uh, on a last minute arrangement two years ago when we did uh, a book tour we packed in as many as we could and we phoned him sort of at the last second and said we'd like to come it's Wednesday it's new comic book day can we come and set up in your shop and he's like, well, you know, I got to be honest with you. Most people who do that, you know, they end up disappointed because no one knows who they are and, and they don't know how to talk to people. And I just, I don't want to put my staff or my customers through that, really. And we convinced him that we would be an addition to his fun store, not a detraction. And we did our very best. And for those of you thinking about doing a thing like that, one of the ways that we do it and it works really well is to give a bunch of stuff free when you're there and the free stuff that you can give is also practice so that's that free sketching when we're doing sketching we are we just get regular you know computer paper 
we draw sketches for everyone we just hand them out to people as they come in they come in we draw them a monster we draw them a dragon or a unicorn or a princess or some hybrid of all of those and we just try to have a fun time for those people um, because if you don't sell anything you've at least had a great time and if you do sell a bunch of stuff then you also have had a great time so it's win-win either way so i'm looking forward to happy harbor audrey's i've never been to i don't know if i even knew it existed but it sounds like the mcnally robertson of edmonton so i'm pretty excited to see that what's this all about what's everybody running from? it's the end of everything what do you mean did we mention in the last podcast your exclusive print what you tried yeah okay so he had a few left which i noticed worked pretty well at this show so I'll let him contextualize and explain all of this. So I did San Diego this year, and one thing I noticed um, that was very uh, particular to San Diego was the exclusive blank. Every big store and every big artist had some kind of exclusive print, book, or product that was you could only get at San Diego, and a lot of these were hand-numbered um, and, and a little more... S- a little more one of a kind and I'd never really done anything like that but I had a lot of people coming out to me and asking what my exclusive thing was just expecting me to have one I'd never really had that at a show before so I had to disappoint them and say I don't have anything exclusive I'm just here there's nothing special about there's me nothing special at my booth <laughs> and um, so yeah I that kind of um, inspired me to try try something like that so I took a um, I took a piece that I'd already finished and I went in and I did a kind of a new paint job on on it and I changed a couple things around it was a it was a Hulkbuster suit so I have Iron Man and I have the Hulkbuster kind of elements um, exploding around him as if he's just come out of the suit or is about to go into the suit and so I took that and I recolored it into War Machine which is kind of how what War Machine was it was a repainted Iron Man suit so I repainted the suit, I added a bunch of Gatling guns and missiles and stuff like that, and I left a little spot at the bottom of the print to hand number them. So I, I only printed a limited amount of these and I hand numbered every single one. And I brought that to uh, the Fan Expo Toronto um, and it, uh, people really got a kick out of it. Like, I think it would have done, it's more of a, everybody expects it in San Diego, so they weren't looking for them quite a bit at this, quite as much at this other show. Um, but it was a neat little experiment and it was kind of cool or like it was a fun easy experiment I I already had done most of the work so it didn't take a lot of my time to to try it out so I think that's something I'd like to try more in uh, the future is doing exclusive artwork for particular shows so if you're thinking about doing that um, it's definitely worth trying out Uh, don't don't put too much time into the first first experiment but uh, yeah give it a shot and ask yourself, don't just think of it as a way to like, oh, I'm going to do a little bit of work and charge again for something new. Try to think about it from the standpoint of what can... Oh, wait. We're checking directions to make sure we know which way we're going. Podcasting on the road. Sam and Justin are in the front seat figuring this all out. Yeah, it's a good thing I noticed, actually. That's right. We almost missed the turnoff at Battleford and Lloydminster, but we have not because our operations manager has saved the day again. Anyway, what I was, the point I was making was that you're not trying to cash in on people. You're trying to give them an experience they can't have anywhere else. And if you can do that with something that you're doing to enrich the experience where they say, oh, the reason I went, the reason I picked this up is because I can get it nowhere else then you've given something that makes people feel good and then you'll feel good if you're just trying to slap a logo on it that says exclusive maybe you can spend that time a little bit better oh our first u-turn ladies and gentlemen perhaps podcasting while we drive is not the best plan That guy's turning. Oh, God! (laughs) (laughs) We made it. All right. Just be aware that the speed limit here is now only 80. We were doing 110 earlier as the posted speed limit. Here we go past North Battleford. You were a nice place, but we didn't want to go to the casino. Hey, there's a prairie dog. (laughs) 
Then, out of the swamp's depths, again appears horrifying, mysterious creatures thirsting for lover's blood. We're a little under half a tank. Do we want to stop for gas? Or do we want to keep going? I think there's probably... Answer quick. Keep going. Okay. We're going to keep going. Alright, so we run out of gas. We now have evidence that it's all Gregory's fault. It is my fault, yeah. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at this beautiful valley. So look at that river. Yeah. It's, it's a great conversation to be having on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, look at that. The look at that. It's the like most, a Bob Ross painting. The most visual of mediums, the podcast, uh, for uh, you, uh, you listeners out there who are not Canadian, or those of you that are, um, we are kind of northwest um, in the prairies. Now heading from the prairies, now going towards the mountain region, and a lot of people discount Saskatchewan, and uh, for oh, it's all flat. You can see your dog running away for days. It's been very beautiful, and it again really reminds me of home. Um, but as we were having this conversation about road tripping to conventions, I wondered because this is a very touchy subject. Um, if you guys wanted to talk about driving to U.S. conventions. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, don't do it. If you're driving to a U.S. convention, you'll be carrying tons of products that you have manufactured, made, or otherwise um, brought into Canada, and crossing the border with a whole pile of products like that can be very problematic. Um, one of the things we do is we have our publishers ship our books to the place we're going in the states so that u.s company is doing that for you inside of the u.s you're not violating any laws whatsoever to sell that stuff because that's where it's from uh and we have printing done for us and manufactured for us in the u.s so we're also selling u.s products um we it's it's problematic to do it any other way that's what we've found um there are people who talk about how they just Yes, don't tell anyone yeah. and hope that no one will ask cut knife. but in this that place is called cut knife <laughs> yeah let's go to cut knife not to be confused with floor knife from the makers of mouth blender <laughs> oh wow okay so don't try to trick the u.s border this is an important role for canadians and everyone right now there's a super heightened sense of alertness uh, even when we were at the post office recently, I was sending my art book out. Thank you, those of you who ordered it ahead of time. I love you so much. Um, they changed some rules for how you can send mail because there's a heightened sense of alert and so much Canadian mail Wait, is now going through scanners and, and x-ray machines that didn't used to if it was a letter size. So, you know... We're, it's not our world, we just live in it, I guess, in this case. And some things are best left undisturbed. So, so stay in the sky when you're going to the USA. Yeah. And the reason that it, you know, the reason it's easier is because the, uh, you know, from the border control point of view, is every piece of luggage you have has been scanned or checked or swabbed. Um, they know exactly how much stuff you brought there's a manifest they know how long you're staying there you know like it's just it's easier to travel because there's all this infrastructure where they don't have to ask you where you're going or what the purpose of your uh, travel is because you're in the air obviously flying from another country um how many miles to edmonton 385 kilometers yay miles we were talking about the U.S., so I just well, got stuck on Come back on my... to the motherland where everything's in metric. Oh, my God. Speaking of the motherland, um, this valley here, uh, this and a lot of the parts of Manitoba, where we are from, look so much like Belarus, where some of my family is from. It's no wonder they settled here. There's still quite a lot of road ahead of us, both figuratively and literally, and we don't know what's at the end of that road. We are going to enjoy the journey. Should we do a... How lucky is it that we get to travel this much? Yeah, we well, are very fortunate. Yeah. We have very um, kind-hearted families who deal with these long absences and not only deal with them, but are excited for us. My husband, every time I tell him one of these little stories, he's like, I'm, he says, I'm so glad you can go on these trips. It's so good for you. And it's just really wonderful. And that's... That's very key. Not only to travel with nice people, but to have nice people back at home to have your back. Yeah, it's hard to be away from the family for sure, especially my two little kids and my wife and my dog. I miss them all terribly, but 
if I didn't do this, um, I would feel like I was missing out. And I think that would affect my relationship too. So you have to figure out your own balance. Um, I am taking almost all of November and certainly all of December off from travel or shows. I'm just going to be home making things and doing things right around the holidays, be really available. Um, because I don't have a regular day job, quote unquote, you know, I still have to work eight, 10 hours a day like everybody else, but I can pick which of the eight to 10 hours I work. Um, that holiday time will mean that I am very much available to my family in a much greater capacity than I would otherwise. So we're scooping time from some places and we're putting it back somewhere else, I say. I have a question for you guys. Should we do a on the way back from Edmonton car recording if this works out with Dan? Sam took a different car home because she hates it. <laughs> yeah, everything's going to fall apart. and it'll But it'll be kind of like... You'll Just, have been there with us. Yes. Been there with us. I think it would be a good idea because what's the, how many hours is it back now? Um, so that's 13. 13, 13 hours back, yeah. Well, maybe we will see you again on the road, <laughs> listeners of Super Pulp Science. All right, so this has been Super Pulp Science, a road trip edition where we talk about how genre gets made. Um, Forgive the audio quality. Yeah. Please forgive the audio quality. We are going to do our best to be back in studio real soon. Um, we miss you, Dan, and your excellent audio quality. Uh, yeah, Dan is going to take this stuff from the road, edit it together from Winnipeg, and put our podcast together. We couldn't do any of this without him. Technology. Thank- yeah, no, well... The robots. The robots. The, the robots, robots. The robots. Oh, no. no.